This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, welcome to Drinking with Authors, the podcast. I am your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is the phenomenal C.R. Rice. Yay. And our guest today is DJ Butler. Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking. I actually, (laughs) this is what's happening. You can only see this if you do our YouTube. Okay, but what's in that is um, I made sort of white Russians, but I used chocolate milk. I don't know if those are chocolate Russians, but I think I should call it that. So anyway, that happened. Um, CR, what are you drinking? I ran out of like Dr. Pepper. So it's like a mix of like Pepsi and Coke, which I'm sure is going to spark a debate in rum. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Well done. DJ, what are you drinking for the audience to follow along with? So this is just this is just straight Coke, I'm afraid. I put it into a glass with ice cubes so you might imagine it's got some Jack or something in it, but it doesn't. It's just for well, the floor. I'm imagining that it has Jack with it, so that's what I'm hey. going to do. I'm going to stick with the rum. That way we can, like, be drink buddies. We're drink buddies. You get that? We're yeah. drink buddies. Drink buddies. That was a weird gesture for drink buddies, CR, but I'm letting it go. Okay, so... <laughs> Stop doing it. Um, let's talk a little bit about what you write. So, DJ, what do you write for those that may not know you? Uh, boy, that's a good question. I write a lot of stuff. I think of myself principally as a fantasy writer, and I'm I'm mostly published. My my main publisher is Bain uh, Books, so I've got some epic fantasy and sort of, and some urban fantasy sort of, and a kind of a science fantasy sort of. Um, I do have a straight science fiction novel with them coming out next year. I've written dystopian science fiction published by Wordfire Press. I even have a um, contemporary young adult thriller. It's kind of Nancy Drew meets Longmire. Um, and, and actually, I should say, as Dave Butler. So I'm DJ here, but as Dave Butler, I've got a Random House trilogy published by Knopf Books for Young Readers, which is a steampunk action fantasy retelling of Pinocchio. So I'm all over the place. Yeah, I would say you are just a plethora. That's not even how you say that correctly. Would you say plethora? Do you see how I did that? <clears throat> yeah. Okay. I'll- so, um, what made you decide you wanted to go down this particular um, job line? Oh, I'm gonna try it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me take a drink to steady myself before I answer. I, I would. I am too. I'm taking a drink to unsteady myself. So, so um, I thought I was going to be a writer for a long time and I chickened out and then I got around to it again. So, so that's the, that's the 30,000 foot headline. So let me, let me give you some detail. Okay. Um, my dad, uh, he's retired now, but he was a professor and, uh, when he, when he used to travel and I was younger, he doesn't do this anymore because I'm like, you know, I live on my own now. But when I was a kid. It's a good thing. Okay. We're yeah. making progress. Free zone We're here. doing good. I'm out of my parents' basements, if you're wondering. <laughs> um, he would travel to like, you know, conferences, academic conferences kind of things. And he'd bring back gifts for the kids. Okay. And so when I was in, uh, I think it must have been second grade. He brought back the uh, 25th anniversary, and I'm holding my hand up here and imagining, inviting you to imagine a little box of books, okay? The 25th anniversary Silver Jubilee paperback edition of The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit with the the Daryl K. Sweet covers, The Hobbit was yellow, the the trilogy was blue, green, and red, uh, all bound up in this kind of fake gold foil, you know, box. And um, I basically put myself into bed and didn't get out for a week until oh, I, wow. I I almost lit my bed on fire. I fell asleep, had a little headlamp that clipped with a kind of a, a, a flexible neck that clipped onto the headboard. And I fell asleep at like two in the morning, woke up and the lamp had fallen forward and burned a perfect circle right out of my uh, pillow. Oh, uh, wow. Pillow case, rather, right? So, well, that's uh, unsteadily. Yeah, but it did not deter me. It's the kind of hardship I was willing to uh, Near death experiences for the Hobbit. Go that's, to correct. that's correct. So, so I thought I was going to be a writer um, uh, 
you know, through the rest of my, you know, sort of education. I thought this is what I'm going to do. And specifically, I'm going to write uh, fantasy, right? And, 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 I, and I want to be Tolkien. And I spent years doing what I think a lot of fantasy writers, uh, Erica and Sierra, I don't know, actually, I don't know what you write. Um, and I don't know. I do you fantasy. Know. I do young adult fantasy okay. right now. Okay, fantastic. Uh, I write horror. And um, under a different name, I write uh, chiclet humorous erotica. Okay, so very good. I, but go ahead. I'm a huge token fan in gaming, okay. but go ahead. Tell us what you did. Well, well, I think what a lot of what I think a lot of uh, fantasy writers and readers did. I kept trying to find Tolkien again. Like I spent years sort of trying to find, replicate that experience. And and I think I think writers at the time were doing it too. So you read the first Terry Brooks novel, sort of Shannara. It's it's a, it's a, it's a blatant. It's just, it's, just a, it's a Tolkien fanfic published in one volume, you know, uh, and, 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 there, and there are others. Um, so I, I thought that was what I was going to do. Um, and, uh, and then I got into college and, and, and decided and met this girl and wanted to get married. And, and, uh, and she didn't want to be poor. That seemed fair, you know. So, uh, so I went to law school instead. Right. Wow. Okay. So for, 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 you know, I don't know, 15 years or something, I had thought I'm going to be a, a fantasy writer, maybe an academic of some kind who writes fantasy. And I punted and went to law school. Um, and I, and I, a giant leap. That is like completely opposite. If you think about like, you know, I want to be a fantasy writer. Screw it. I'm going into law. Like no, what, I, what made you make that leap? Hold on. I was going to say, that's not a huge leap because I've read a lot of legal documents and they're fantasy. <laughs> Different kind of fantasy, <laughs> but they're fantasy. Yeah, yeah. I know, and the order is reversed, right? Usually you sell out late in your career. I sold out in the beginning. But vile lucre was the thing that made me do it. Uh, so, uh, although it's, you know, it's interesting. Um, <coughs> Terry Brooks, actually, speaking of Terry Brooks, had been a lawyer. Uh, and, Melinda and, Snodgrass. She was uh, a lawyer. So is Melinda Snodgrass. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, and and others, and actually all the way back through like Dickens and Chaucer, like a lot of writers have had a connection of some kind to the legal profession. And I'm not justifying what I did. I mean, I wanted to have a family, right? And see what. I did. So um, so I, I practiced law for eleven years, and I kept writing, uh, but mostly. So in high school, what did I write? I mean, I wrote short stories and I wrote a really bad novel that I'm pretty sure does not exist even in digital copy, right? I think, I think that is gone, truly. Uh, and uh, that's for the better. Um, and, but, it, but for, you know, during law school and for the 11 years of me practicing law full time, I still wrote, but other stuff. I wrote a lot of songs. I play guitar. I do home recording. I wrote a lot of songs. Um, I would do things like write... Uh, an album of songs uh, for my nieces and nephews, one song for each of them and record it for Christmas and mail it to them kind of thing. I wrote screenplays that I mailed off to Hollywood studios, which like that one never went anywhere. Um, I think you have to basically be in LA or the odds are like better that you'll get killed by a meteorite than you'll, you know, sell a script to anybody. That's probably true. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and then, and then in 2010, so I'd been I'd been practicing law for 11 years. I got a, a very uh, a fantastic uh, bit of luck, a really good break, which is to say the company where I was one of the senior lawyers uh, was sold, mm -hmm. and I had the opportunity to take kind of an extended sabbatical and do whatever I wanted, and uh, for a while, not forever, but you know, for a while. And uh, so I just so we uh, I wrote and. Uh, and uh, with my second book, I picked up an agent. And then my wife, Emily, said, well, you can do this. It can't be that hard. So, you know, we wrote a book together. She got her own agent. Uh, so it became kind of our family business. Um, she's got two books out with a random house imprint, too. And uh, kind of never looked back. Um, you know, I've been experimenting. I mean, I'm happy to tell stories of various kinds to all kinds of readers. And I've been trying to find markets right so i've written contemporary ya thriller and i've written stuff for kids but the the fact is where my heart always was was writing fantasy for adult readers or science fiction and that's mostly um that's mostly uh what i'm doing now 
I'm, 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 I'm working as a corporate trainer by day. Uh, and actually I have a wide range of other weird things I do kind of a, have a portfolio career, this, that, and the other at this point, uh, including even a little bit of law, but, um, but I, you know, I've got, I've got 14 novels out now and a bunch of short stories and novellas and I, and I feel very lucky. I didn't think this is where I was going to go when I was eight, you know, um, but it's working out. So That's awesome. Yeah. So you go on this um, thing, 14 books in what period of time? So, I mean, I, I wrote from like 10, 2010 to 2012 or so full time. Um, which was great because I had to really teach myself how to write a novel. I'd done lots of other kinds of writing, legal documents, right? Wrote a lot of prospectuses and contracts and other things. I'd been doing songwriting, which was which is really good training and, and some scripts. Had to learn how to write a novel. So my first novel was, well, it was my second novel was one in high school, right? But my first 2010, again, crap. Um, but then I kind of figured it out, right? And the second one got, a, got, got an agent. Uh, what happened so, with the first one? What was wrong with it? No, what happened to it? Oh, I sent it out to agents and and, or, and nobody responded at all. So Zero is it shelved? Did you self-publish so, it? It, it exists. Um, I think it will uh, probably end up being available in the archive of my paper someday. It is pretty bad. I wouldn't want to like put it out. I also kind of don't want to edit it in the sense that I want to leave it as a document for like this is what Dave grown. Yeah, right. This is what Dave thought was a good novel when he was, you know, trying to jumpstart this whole writing thing. So I feel like you're avoiding the, the, the question of what it was called because, like, I really want to deep Google you. So, like, what was it called? I don't remember. So he's so put in mental blocks. Okay, we'll move on because I'll, I'll try and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It mental was, blocks to what's happening there. Okay, so um, you start this, which is awesome that you got the opportunity to do this. Have you been traditionally published this entire time, basically? So, um, so I got a I picked an agent in two thousand, uh, very beginning two thousand twelve. Is that right? No, two thousand eleven. So I've been trying it for about. Eight months, first novel was crap, second novel picked up an agent. Fair, fairly big name, head of a kind of mid-sized literary firm. Um, and uh, and he, uh, he he sent the book out. We got some, you know, near misses. And, um, and, and we kind of kept talking and I sent him other things. Uh, and, and it was really clear that I was writing a lot faster than he was reading. Just to say I was a new, he couldn't guarantee a sale for me. He was willing to kind of try me once in a while, but, you know, I wasn't going to get any real attention. And, and his suggestion, he said, you know, you've got a, a lot of energy. You should, you should go ahead and self-publish and stuff. So, so actually, that's my, my first publications are that I started self-publishing during my uh, time with First Asian. I started a, and this is actually why I started using the name, is <coughs> the first thing I published is a, is an urban fantasy um, novella serial called Rock Band Fights Evil. My actual initials are DJ, David John, and I said, DJ sounds right for a rock band. So, and then it just kind of stuck. Um, until, until then, no one ever called me DJ in my life. So, and now everybody does a convention. And now everybody, yeah. And I have to remember, hey, DJ. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's me. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, so I started uh, self-publishing that while he was my agent. Uh, then after he, about, about month 11, month 12 of him being my agent, he sent me an email copy of his lawyer saying, I don't have time for you. Uh, and, uh, and then blocked me. Although interestingly did not remove me from his mailing list. So I, I still to this day get emails from him about his jazz guitar performances. <laughs> so yeah, that, you know, agent. Um, so, uh, so for a while I thought I was going to be exclusively self-published, which, you know, is way more of an option increasingly like day to day. It's a bigger, better option than it was in 2010 or 2000 or 1950. Right. I mean, it's just, yeah. so, um, I thought, okay, well, this is, you know, this is, this is where it's going to go. 
Um, and, uh, and, and I, and some of the things I had written during my time when I was represented by agent number one, you know, I started putting out. So I had a couple other novels self-published, um, continue putting out the, some of the rock band stuff. Um, uh, so interestingly, this is, here's just kind of, um, who, who listens to, is it, do writers mostly listen to this as writers? Kind of uh, all the kinds of people. I was actually at, um, my, uh, what I don't know what to call it that it's a spa where I get waxing done and um, I was walking out of said spa and I made my appointment and one of the girls working there goes hey Erica I listened to your podcast the other day not a writer I listened to your podcast the other day and like there's you know it's drinking with authors but there is a lot of drinking and I'm like yeah she's like it was pretty funny and I was like thanks he's like yeah no i listen to it on my way home all the time now and i'm like okay okay i will i'll take that and moving on and i walked out going what a weird conversation like it's literally called drinking with but anyway so i think we have a mixture of writers and we talk about writing on the show and stuff like that but it's we're entertaining and so then it's funny kind of life stories it's like the kardashians without all the bullshit yeah. So, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so here's in in the in the uh, spirit of that, like the Kardashians. So here, here's kind of a story that like a writer might find either inspiring or infuriating. Okay, okay. and maybe for other listeners, it'll be sort of gee whiz. So so in my sort of between agents time, because I later get another agent. Okay, in my between agents time, one one of the books I had written and that my agent had looked at and given me one round of comments on is an epic fantasy novel called Witchy Eye. Okay. okay. And like, I really felt strongly about this book. I really like this, still do really like this book. And so um, I actually got offers to publish that. Um, But they were offers that I I didn't want to take because they, they wanted too, too much changes or they said, you know, we want, Hey, rewrite it for YA and break it into three parts. And and, and I didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do any of this stuff. Um, so as soon as my agent dumped me, um, I sent it out to uh, fantasy publishers, many of whom will take unsolicited manuscripts, un- unrepresented manuscripts, right? Yeah. Including to Tony Weisskopf at Bain, whom I had <coughs> met and knew. She's the, the, the chief uh, editor-in-chief and publisher at Bain. I had met her at uh, Worldcon four months previously, and I sent her the book. She said, well, it may not be a good fit for us. So it's February 2012 when I send her that manuscript. Okay. So we're going to cut. This is like the plant. We're going to have a payoff in a bit here. Okay. So we're on the journey, we're all with you. It's your we're podcast. On the journey and, and, and we're all drinking. So, um, so I self-publish some stuff and including, I get ready to self-publish this kid's book, the steampunk Pinocchio book. It's called the kidnap plot. Um, and, uh, and I send it out to a last few rounds of agents. And one of them says, I, so I've been trying to find agents in the meantime. And I send this out to a, a, a kind of a last round of agents. And one of them says, hey, let me take a look at this, maybe. So I was, I was on the verge of self-publishing. It was formatted for Amazon. I had bought a cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, hold on. Uh, and I say, okay. She reads it, comes back a month later. It says, I'm going to send this on a sneak preview to, some, uh, to, to one editor. And then I'll send it out. Well, the one editor bought it. So, uh, so uh, 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 Fry is an editor at Knopf Books for Young Readers. She actually, like Aragon is her biggest series that you probably probably heard of Aragon. But like a bunch of others, Carl Hyacin and uh, the Emerald Atlas and uh, oh, Wonder. Wonder is the other enormous one, right? Recall that was everywhere about four years ago. So, um so she picks me up. Uh, that book comes out. When does it come out? I can't remember. What, like 2018 or something. So, okay. So now I've got an agent. Um, and I think I've got an agent. I've got a random house deal. I won. From here, it's all gold paved streets and like rose petals thrown in my path. Right. Cherubs blowing trumpets wherever I go. So. Um, Your own theme song following you around. <laughs> literally everywhere exactly yeah an any a little kid with a harmonica playing any morricone themes wow, 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 wow. Wait, as soon as you step out your door 
yeah, to just it, let the world know you're there. That's what I thought. That's 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 the deal, right? That's what you think you're going to get. So, legitimately, every author should think this. Yeah. So, uh, so that turned out not to be the reality. I mean, what happened with Random House is um, uh, Michelle is lovely. She did a lovely editing job. They did a lovely covers. All the two and a half years before the book came out, I kept saying, let's talk about marketing. She said, yes, we're going to talk about marketing, but wait, don't do anything. I sent her a marketing plan. She said, don't do this stuff. Wait, we're going to keep, we're going to tell you the plan. Um, right up to, we finally had the call with the VP of marketing, might not have been called VP, the marketing person, whatever her title was, like three weeks before the book came out. And I got three the call. Three weeks before yeah. the book came said, out. Great. I'm excited to hear the plan. What's the plan? And they said, uh, we're going to do library and outreach. And I said, well, what is that? And they said, well, actually, we're not 100% sure. We'll get back to you, which they never did. I said, great. What else? And they said, that's it. So the books were utterly unsupported and they sold like an utterly unsupported book sells. Um, I got to say, though, I actually have a copy of WikiEye. My mom actually has it. I knew you'd look familiar. And so I actually looked you up and I was going to ask you because I actually got it um, at a local library when we lived in North Carolina. My mom had gotten it for me. And as soon as you said it, my mom actually has the copy. Very cool. Well, now we so have. Wait, now, I, I just want to clarify guys. something. Hold on. Sarah, yeah. uh, did you steal a library book? Is that what you're saying? Okay, first of all, it wasn't stealing because I had so many late fees associated. I'm that kid that took out like nine books. Okay. So I paid like three times the price of every book that I ever got. However, this one, this was one of those that like the library, you know, they have those sales and stuff. My mom had gone in to pay for like my fees for the month. And like, it was there in their, um, I don't, I don't know why libraries do it, but like they do the whole selling thing and it was there and she was, uh, I love Scott Westerfield. And so she had gotten me the ugly series and she was like the librarian recommended this for you. It's, you know, uh, supposed to be pretty much the same thing. And I was like, all right, let's do this. So what actually recommended you now know it, did, it worked. Okay. I will say, I think she still has it because she like kept ninety percent of my books. But like, I will be sending it to you because now I can say I know you and I can get you to sign it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Full so, circle, right there. Full <laughs> circle. Okay, okay. But that's witchy eye. So that's not the book. That yes. tanked. So the 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 Random House series tanked, right? But in the meantime. So let's come back to Witchy Eye. This is good. In February 2012, I gave that book to Tony Weisskopf at Bain. We stayed friends on social media. I'd see her at conventions. You know, I, I pick up the agent. The agent gets me a sale at Random House. And I say to the agent, hey, listen. And my agent, and she is currently my agent, uh, uh, Deborah Warren, East West, East West Literary. She's a kid's writer. Like her, her big properties are Pete the Cat and Llama Llama. Okay. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and I say, Hey, Deborah, listen, I know you're not really an adult fantasy writer or agent. I say, if I go to this, the next world con at the time was going to be in Spokane. I live in Utah. It's drivable. You know, it's like 15 hours. I'm a Westerner. You drive 15 hours for a, a good party. So I said, I'm going to go meet the editors and get their emails. I'm going to say I'm represented and, and then you'll follow up. And that way, you know, you're not just like emailing a stranger or whatever. She says, okay, we'll do it. So I go do that. And I get, you know, Ann Sowers from Del Rey. And I meet, I don't remember the couple different tour people. And, and then, then Tony Weisskopf was there again, of course, and stuff. And so we, and so we send out those emails. Hey, you know, here's the, and in the case of Tony, it's, hey, I'm following up. They've already sent this to you, um, you know almost four years ago. So uh, in February of 2016, I gave her the book in February of 2012. In February of 2016, when I am down in Melbourne, Australia, in a hotel overlooking the river there, getting ready to go teach a client, okay? I get the email from Tony saying, I love this. We're gonna, we wanna buy this book, right? So she, she had it for four years. Um, so, but yeah, Witchy I did really well. Uh, Witchy I earned out, 
in the first period. Uh, it's got three sequels. There are two more sequels coming. That's kind of my flagship series at Bane. It's an epic fantasy with a twist. I have a hard time uh, writing anything that doesn't have some kind of a with a twist. Um, it's an epic fantasy set in 19th century America or sort of a, a funhouse mirror version of America. So it starts in Nashville and New Orleans. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. So what question did we start with? It was like, how did you get into writing? <laughs> right? I actually think I just asked you the name and it's been going since yeah. then. But no, I, wait, it was the... We have to take a break, CR, since we got his name finally out of the thing. So you have to hold it. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with Drinking With Authors. This is the voice of Drinking With Authors. You are at our commercial break, and our commercial is, Hey, do you want to be a guest on our show? Or do you have a question for one of the guests on our show? Or do you have a brilliant drink recipe that we've never heard of? That would have to stump us. But you could reach us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can direct message or even just leave a comment on one of our posts. We would absolutely love to hear from you. We're back. Um, CR was going to, after assaulting somebody for inappropriate drinkage, was going to ask you a question. CR, what was that question? Oh, no, I was saying that the original question was, like, are you being traditionally published right now? Or are you going out to, like, do indie stuff? Like, are you doing it all yourself? Are you self-publishing? Like, what what are you doing right now? Yeah, so let me, so there's another part of the story, right? So, okay. okay. So, so, Buckling in. I'm mostly not self-published right now. Uh, And actually, at this point, I'm not self-published at all. Um. Because, uh, so my, my random house book was coming out and, um, I had, I would, I would go to, I live in Utah and I'd go to our kind of local conventions and, um, and sell books. And I was trying and with, with like friends. And one of the things we did that worked pretty well is with, with five friends, we started a kind of performance troupe. Okay. We're called the space Balrogs, and we go put on these kind of improvised, semi-theatrical audience participation games so let me stop you real quick so not only are you an author you are a lawyer you write songs which i am expecting to hear at some point i don't know if that was the right movement um and now you you do comedy yeah kind of um okay jack of all trades i got you stuff yeah so so we do that right to like trying to i mean you're trying to sell trying to figure out how to reach readers right you, you guys you have experience you know you know this is tough. Yeah. and and so we would as the space ball rods we could get conventions in the area they wouldn't they'd say hey we you know sometimes they'd give us like a hotel room but they'd never fly us or whatever they say hey we'll get you on the schedule you can have a table maybe a hotel room if you come to emerald city in seattle uh, Denver Comic Con before they had to change your name and in you know kind of regional Western Con. So that was kind of that was sort of working. And then Kevin Anderson's Wordfire Press booth uh, was at Salt Lake City uh, or Salt Lake Comic. They changed their name too. They used to be called Salt Lake Something Comic Con. I don't know. Uh, so th- so Kevin was there, and Kevin has a uh, Kevin has a publishing company called Wordfire Press. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's an author. He's got like 150 books in print or something insane, right? But, but he's also a publisher. And, and at the time, he was also a traveling bookstore. So they had this big bookstore there on the floor, and they had celebrity guests. I think they might have had Brandon Sanderson signing at their booth that year, right? Yeah. And, and, and I was like with my little group over in the corner with the you know, six-foot table, and there's a six of us. So, you know. I stood for the whole convention out in the aisle, and uh, and I and so I, I approached Kevin and I said, "Hey, listen, I want to you know be part of your operation. I want to pitch you on republishing my self-published books." And so Kevin did that, uh, picked up all my self-published stuff, put it out again. Uh, we've had a couple more books in the different series, so um, so so I'm with that indie publisher. Um, in fact, for three years, I was their acquisitions editor. There was uh, they needed someone to take up the role, and I said, "Look, I'll do it on a volunteer basis." And 
So I went and was an editor for three years. Um, Another thing on the list. There we go. Uh, oh, I'm keeping track. You can't see my screen, but like I have check marks. Like, yeah. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I mean, my thriller um, uh, is called The Wilding Probate. And, and there's another, one of the other space balrogs had started his own publishing company. And he's like, hey, Dave, I really want to publish one of your books. And I said, well, there's this one. It's really weird because it's not fantasy. Uh, but they, they picked that up. So I've, got, so I've got kind of that set of stuff. Uh, four novels and a bunch of novellas, um, as well as a lot of short stories that are published in um, sort of the indie anthology space. Right? Yeah. Um, and uh, so I have a lot of friends and kind of, you know, contacts and connections in that, in that world, uh, which by the way, I'm very grateful for, you know, uh, it's, um, well, now we'll see who I get to offend here. Uh, time and again, I've, I've got on like a panel at somewhere like, you know, a Comic-Con thing, right? I go to, I go to a lot of those. Uh, and, uh, and I'll be on a panel with, uh, with someone who is traditionally published and traditionally published only and who got just phenomenally lucky and has no idea that they got phenomenally lucky. And they say things like, oh, well, if you're a, with a traditional publisher, you don't do the marketing, they do it. And I just want to say, except sometimes when they don't, like you're the one who won the get the publisher lottery, won the get the marketing dollars lottery, won the got lucky and became a bestseller lottery. And you just think it's because you're good. And it's not. It's because you're just phenomenally lucky. And, and I'm actually, I'm grateful. I'm not that. Like, I'm grateful that I have a perspective that there are people out there working their asses off for sales uh, and, and what it means to work your ass off for sales, right? And, and to talk to someone about your book or to go make a contact with an editor and, you know, stay in touch and plan projects. Like, I'm, I'm very pleased that's part of my author experience. It's interesting you say that because um, one of the things I always think is fascinating and, you know, the entertainment world as far as TV and movies has changed a lot, but People talk a lot about the um, A-list actors and stuff like that, but they don't talk about the working actors mm. that you see constantly on different shows and different pickup characters. And sometimes they never make any A or B-list kind of status thing. They're never the necessarily the headliner, but they work their butts off all the time. And I feel like there's a class of working writer that does the working part of the working writer where it's right. not just putting out a book, it's going and meeting fans and meeting different colleagues. And there's such a great community of writers for the most part, most of them are not assholes that you can meet and want to support each other and want to go, Hey, here's my, and that's part of the reason we do this podcast. Like here's my advice is here's what worked for me. Cause it's not going to work for everybody, but I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Okay, so um, let's. You go to conventions. Yeah. Uh, has anybody ever dressed up as one of your characters? Not yet. Yourself? Not yet, man. I really look forward to that. Um, <laughs> that may never happen. Uh, yeah, I go to a lot of conventions. So, so until COVID, right? Um, corporate training. Uh, so I've been I've been doing corporate training for about eight years. Um, I, I I stopped being a lawyer. I'm still technically a lawyer, but I haven't had a full time law job for law job for 11 years so uh i um when i went to kind of look for a full-time law position again it was a bad bad market and i found a job in training instead now until covid started that meant a ton of travel so i the the reason i could go to so a i got this vehicle kevin uh anderson's wordfire press booth and later kevin shut down his bookstore but uh there's a large uh, tower large tower kind of alexi me and we we're Yes. There it is. So that's what Alexi is. Alexi basically bought Kevin's bookstore and carried on with it. So yeah. I had a vehicle and I had tons of like um, airline and rental car points and hotel points. Right. So this, so I could, so, so two things. One, I could go to all these cons. I mean, you know, this year it might've been five last year. I think it was two, but the year before was like 23. Right. And, uh, um, and the other thing I would do, and here's where being trad pub, this doesn't make as much sense for an indie author, right? But 
But uh, once I had kind of a couple of books out from Bain, and in particular, once Witchy Eye was a mass market paperback, I would, I would travel to a teaching gig and I would go to every single Barnes and Noble in that town. And I kept track. And by the way, when they shut down at the beginning of COVID, I had been into 46% of existing Barnes and Noble. It's over 300 Barnes and Noble stores I had been into. Well done. Wow. Yeah. And I walk in and go look, see what's on the shelf and take the books up to the front uh, and say, hey, I wrote these. Can I... Would, would you like me to sign them? Cool. We'll sign them, put a sticker on them, turn them face out. And I brought a free book to give to somebody who's a member of the staff. Does anybody here read fantasy novels? Let me give you a book. Right. Um, so I did that uh, again up until COVID and then it's just completely shut down. Um, a that, little trick authors might not realize is that if you do that and you sign the books, they can't warehouse them back. They have to keep them. And so wow. Yeah, that's a good little leap loophole right there. But the other thing is, you are, uh, or and the other thing is, right? You're trying to well, you get the book turned face out so the cover art works for you instead of spine out, so someone has to basically be looking for you or you're invisible. Right? Yeah. Um, and by the way, here's here's one place where I got lucky. My name is Butler, right? So in the fantasy bookshelves, I'm next to Jim Butcher. Uh, and which is not a bad place to be. Not a bad place at all, no. So, uh, but the other thing is, you're you're going in there to make friends and write and go uh, and, and 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 get some bookseller to like get. And this this actually is better at indie bookstores where the employees tend to be more kind of mission driven. Whereas at Barnes and Noble, you get some of those folks who are like really passionate but about books, but also you get some folks who just like, well, this it was this or McDonald's this paid 20 cents an hour more or something. Yeah. So uh, we are trying to activate those people as your allies. So um, this is like an answer to the, I'm answering the question, uh, do I have self-published books, right? Was that the question? Yeah, no, but keep going. It's fun. This is fun. Cause you go on a whole like path. We're yeah. like, listen, we're going to the grocery store. We've now gone to, we've hit Walmart, yeah. Target. Yeah. Somehow yeah. we're in Dick's Sporting yeah. Goods at this point. Yeah. The, liquor the greatest part is he's not even drinking at this point. Like, this is him sober. <laughs> yeah, this is me sober. So, okay. Keep so, going. Keep going. Uh, Love it. So, 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 the, so look, the, I've had these kind of two, you know, the, like it was, the, it was really the indie side that got me into going to conventions and meeting a lot of people, right? But also a lot of networking. It got me into, in the first instance, into sort of groups, existing tribes like Kevin Anderson's Superstars group, or like the Storytellers in Utah, or like Dave Farland's Apex Writers, stuff like that. Uh, and but it, but it was like the combination of those things let me like go around and sign books in bookstores and you know I, I I guess I guess if there's a moral it's like you and actually I think Erica you already said this right you said it, what works for you may not work for another writer right yeah um, I forget who said this I read an interview where someone was talking about writers and said and it wasn't a writer it was some somebody else but they said um, the writers I know who have succeeded have each tended to make a writer-sized hole in the wall. Like they found a, a road that worked just for them and the people who try it eh, may or may not work so well. No, so you work with what you have, right? And the question actually that spawned off of was, is anybody dressed up as one of your characters? Right. <laughs> so um, I'm going to just say this right now. DJ is going to give three books signed by him for free to whoever shows up at his table at a con dressed as one of his characters. I will give you 10 books. There you go. Dude, I'll do it. 10 books. Now, I'm going to mail them to you after, but I will mail you 10 signed books if anybody who shows up. No, CR, you're disqualified from this activity right now. That's not fair. It is totally fair. You're not getting the free books. You've got a head start. Okay, you can do it. You can do it. Fine, I'll let you do it. Show up at the thing. But I think that's fun. We're going to do a partner costume. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about fan inner. Okay, bring it <laughs> in. This is not your personal book getting show. This is C.R. Rice's How She Gets Novels to Read show. No, let's talk about <laughs> um, fans then. So you're doing conventions. Do you remember your first interaction with a fan? 
that came up to your booth and knew you and is, was excited that you were there? Yeah, yeah, I do. Well, tell us about uh, it. It was, it was during that year, uh, just after I had lost my uh, first agent, and I was at a uh, very small steampunk convention in Salt Lake that only ran like three years. I want to say it was called Steam Fest. That could be wrong. Okay. Um, and, you know, running cons is hard. So the, the team, that, the woman that, that, that kind of started, I think she struggled for a few years and then just said, threw in the town. Uh, but the writers that year, well, it was, I think it was year one. Um, and we were, we were all in a hall. So like, not like a hall, big room, like a hallway. Yeah. Uh, and the tables were just all against the wall. And I was sitting there. Um, I think I was at a table with Carter Reed, uh, the zombie junkie. Uh, oh, wow. uh, and, uh, Carter, Carter does a daily zombie comic strip and he sells a lot of swag and and he also does zombie portraits of people and 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 all i had out at that point was like the first three um of my rock band fights evil serial just kind of like punchy pg-13 short urban fantasy novellas about a damned rock and roll band and uh and this guy came up and said you're dj butler and i thought oh he's surely mistaken me for somebody else <laughs> i and i i said well yes uh and he said you rode hellhound on my trail i was like oh no he doesn't know who i am um and uh yeah i signed his uh uh his um ipad with a with a sharpie he like had three or four authors uh because he read everything in ebooks uh and uh so we, i was like okay signed the back of his ipad that was uh that was really cool and that's that's, that's, a, that's a, you guys know this, right? This is like this is the best moment or one of the best moments in writing, right? It, it is because it it to me it's always that that you hit a connection because you that we write not only because we love writing and stuff like that, right? But we write to impact people. Yeah. What whatever the impact, whether it's making them laugh. In my case, a lot of times making them cringe and then tell me they want to punch me in the face. It's fine. But like there's an impact that you have as a writer and you hope and you go, gosh, I really hope people enjoy this. But even reviews and stuff, you kind of go, OK, but when that person comes up and goes, oh, my God, I loved your story. This was so awesome and tells you parts of your story you don't even remember writing because they loved it so much. Oh my God, it's one of the best feelings you can get in the entire world. The best. I gotta say though, so as like an introverted author, that terrifies me. So like people coming up to you and things like that, that genuinely makes me concerned. Like I start panicking and I can't think right. And then I say something stupid. So like, how do you, as, as a person who is doing those things, when you did your first convention, and you were talking to people and for like new authors or even the authors that are kind of second guessing themselves at doing conventions. How do you, what is your advice for them as far as getting over the worry, the anxiety of, of speaking with panels and networking and just taking that leap into doing a convention? So I wish I had really good advice. Um, <laughs> I, I'm actually, I'm an introvert by nature. Um, let, me, let me give you an example. So my first job out of law school is at one of the world's biggest law firms. And I show up on a Wednesday. This is in the London office, right? So I'm like, here I am. I'm like 26. I don't know anything. Getting paid a lot of money. I have an office in London. And the partner hands me a phone number on the post-it and said, and the, the name is, I don't know, Eric or something. He said, call this guy and ask him, blah, blah, blah. I wrote down the number on the question. And I was so intimidated. I thought that I was going to call some accountant and ask him. I couldn't call him until Friday. It took me two and a half days before I could finally call that guy and say, oh, when, uh, well, I didn't remember what the question was. When, when is the audit going to be finished or something, right? Um, and um, I have the advantage that I went out and spent 11 years of a career where I just had to make myself learn to behave like an extrovert. And okay. And then afterwards, lie curled up in a fetal position. I mean, not literally, but, you know, figuratively. I feel tired after, um, after. I mean, corporate training, too. I teach us a four or six or eight-hour class. I feel exhausted 
afterwards uh, or if i stand on my feet for 10 hours at a con and doing panels i just i feel drained um the, the but here's the thing you know i just have to do something like unless someone unless someone hears about your book they won't read it and so you have to have some way to make that happen and if you have some way to make that happen that does not require you to meet people or communicate with them in some way directly god bless you right that's wonderful um i've never figured out how to do that my publishers do stuff but it's never been enough to like to, to reach everyone i want to reach uh, yeah you can't it doesn't work like that. I mean, it works like that for like 0. 0.00 something percent. Um, the reason CR is asking you this question is um, starting tomorrow, CR is doing her first convention. Boom. What is it? And that's why. No, that's cool. I like being put on blast like that. That's super fun. Well, you asked the question, my favorite little friend. You're good. Like, I, no, she's doing her first convention starting tomorrow. And I was like, you're going to have to go out and do this. This is shameless self-promotion is how you do it, whether you do it in person. I mean, COVID has changed that for a lot of writers. Um, and or if you um, do it via Facebook or other ways, you have to communicate with people because you have no choice. Like this is the world we live in. They want interaction. You don't get to be alone in a tower anymore and sell books from a distance, you know? Um, that reminds me, how did, how has COVID been for you as far as writing goes? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, it's actually tied up with the corporate training thing. Uh, last year, you know, March, really February, when all of a sudden we went from like rumors of another, I don't know, it's a flu, it's not a bird or a pig this time, it's bad, I guess, right? And then suddenly it was lockdowns to, right? And, and um, corporate training basically evaporated. So um, I had a lot of time. Last year, I wrote four books. I mean, I still oh, wow. wrote, like was less, a lot less. Uh, so I wrote a 200,000-word epic fantasy novel and a 100,000-word science fiction novel and a 60,000-word kids novel and a 40,000-word novella and about 10 short stories um, last year. Now, this year, it came roaring back, and I've been like working about 150% of capacity on the training side. Uh, and, and other non-writing stuff has kind of blown up for me. So it's been a lot slower. I've written short stories this year. Um, I've written, really co-written only one novel this year. Um, now I think, uh, you know, basically this year has been so busy. I'm sort of dug out of the hole of last year. And so next year I can kind of hopefully slow down the training and write more, which is what I really want to do, right? No one's going to be like, 10 years after I'm dead. Ah, Dave, he was my favorite corporate trainer like this, right? You don't know that. You don't Maybe know somebody, somebody goes and is like, they ask you, how did you get here? And they're like, look, I had this super awesome dude. His name was Don. You're so, you see, except my name's Dave. You're so optimistic. But well, see, like Don, Dave, it doesn't matter because they're going to be like his name. He was also an author. This is what it is because you know, like people get older, they forget those things, but they're always going to remember DJ Butler. I will you be like, All I remember in that rum and coke, or did you leave it just rum? No, so let me tell you. <laughs> so, a few people know my husband. He thought it, he's kind of upset right now because I'm not watching Gordon Ramsay, who is his man crush. So, he did this is my cup. This was rum and this was Coke. It was like Erica was here with me making my drink for me. I, I make great drinks. Yeah, that's true. It's a true story. Okay. Okay. Because we're getting near the end of this particular podcast. What is coming out? I know. See how quickly it goes. This is fun. We have fun. We have another whole podcast to record, but it's it fun. Over. Yeah. I'll have to okay. play something on the guitar in the next podcast for CR. No, yeah. you have no idea. I have a list of questions and requests. I will do it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fangirling. It's out of control right now. Okay. Excited. <laughs> question before my final question. Pick one on your list. Go ahead. Uh, okay. So I will say, I told you I read Witchy Eye. I read the first and the second one, and I heard there's a third one. Is the third one the final one? There is also a fourth one. But the third okay, one, so when is the fourth one coming out? That one's out. 
but there will be okay. two more that come out. Number six will be the final. But the first three make a kind of a trilogy. So the first three will see a lot, like book three will see a lot Great. of arcs from book one kind of come to a conclusion without resolving some of the biggest issues or the biggest, like, you know, plots. Um, I'm working right. on five now, so probably two years, two and a half years until the last book comes out. Okay. The are just to clarify, is called <laughs> Witchy Kingdom. Is that book yes, or? but Witchy Eye, I absolutely loved Witchy Eye. I thought it was, it, it's fine. We'll talk about this at a later date. I love the whole intro, just the vibe of the whole thing. I love that it's going on longer. I oh. told you you cannot fangirl on the author. I going to be a co-host. I have warned you about that. Book four is called The Serpent Daughter, by the way, of yes. the Witchy War series. Witchy yep. War series? Is that what it's called? Yep. So, yes. There we go. Okay. Do you want to ask another question? But you cannot ask a fangirl question. You just have to ask a question. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. What inspires you to write? Like when you, regardless of what genre you choose to write, is there something particular that keys you off to start writing your next story? So, um, so there's a there's a medieval uh, Persian allegory called the Conference of the Birds. Okay. And in, in the Conference of the Birds is this story in which the, the, the world's bird population are having a conference uh, and, a, and a strange feather falls out of heaven and the birds kind of get together and debate and decide to go find the source of the feather. Now, it's, an, it's a poetic allegory for Islam, for the reception of a revelation and then trying to live it. Um, but I think that's a, that's the best metaphor that I have found for my my experience writing, which is to say, usually, there at the beginning, there's one, maybe there's a couple, there's just like feathers from heaven, where something there's something, and I go, aha, that that makes me want to write a story, um, and it can be different kinds of things. Now, let me talk about witchy guy by way of example, because witchy guy is actually there were like three different. <laughs> More than three, maybe yeah, at least three kind of like things that were in my headspace all at the same time. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, thing number one, I was reading my kids the uh, Brothers Grimm fairy tales. Love that. Yeah, which are delightfully dark and uh, gruesome. Um, and um, I had read them before when I was younger, and and I I love the Brothers Grimm setting. Right. If you read something like the musicians of Bremen and, and, and I always and I always thought it was like the sort of a fanciful setting. It, it, it's, but what I loved about it is you'd have like a guy with a gun and a knight with a sword and there would be like a mayor and also the emperor. And I'm like, what kind of crazy place is this where all these people go together? Well, the answer turns out to be early modern Germany, right, where you had all of these things. But I had as a kid, I had no idea. So I was rereading it to my kids and, and I had, you know, read more history in the meantime. And I was like, oh, now, now I see what this, right? This is what, this is like the Holy Roman Empire. That's where these stories come from. And I thought, oh, I should write a fantasy set in the Holy Roman Empire. Because I, I like my favorite kind of era. Uh, I like to think of as the Froggy when a Corton era. Like I, like, I like, I think it's interesting. I, I have maybe romantic notions about swords and you know guns before they became like so lethal right uh like from a story point of view a machine gun is usually not that interesting it's really useful if you want to defend your you know hill against zombies but it's not that interesting it just fires a lot of bullets really fast whereas like a, a flintlock you got to shoot one and then you've got time constraints uh and so it becomes more interesting so i thought my first thought was i should write like a holy roman empire kind of story but then also I was reading this book called um, oh, uh, Albion's Seed, Albion's Seed, okay, by uh, David Hackett Fisher. It's a his history book. It's about the early migrations, plural, migrations of from England into North America. Because the basic point of the book is we think about this like there's one migration and there's, there were four. 
and they come from different parts of England and they go to different parts of America. And that matters because it means because they bring with them different names, different versions of Christianity, different versions of the English language, different ways to eat and marry and build. And, and so he, he says, this is a great book. It's got 200 pages each on, uh, first of all, the, uh, the migration of Puritans from Southeast England to the Massachusetts Bay. And then the migration of, the, of Royalists from Southwest England to the Chesapeake. And then the Quakers who come to the, the uh, Delaware Valley, Pennsylvania, and then the he calls the, he uses the term the North British borderers. Scotch Irish is also a very common who who come and basically they find the seaboard full of you know white people. So they keep going until they get to the Appalachian Mountains, right? And 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 uh, and I was reading that book kind of at the same time. And honestly, I had them as separate things in my head. But at one point, I thought this book I'll be on seed, man, I, I'm a gamer too. I thought, man, I just wish gaming books were this detailed and interesting. I could use this information. If like, you know, did my D and D manual had this kind of information about elves, how do they marry? How do they name their children? You know, how do they bear, how do you, how do you get buried when you're dead? This is great. Um, and, and, and then at a certain point I thought, like, I thought, wait a minute, no, I, sh I should not be writing my froggy when according fantasy in Germany, about which I know relatively little. I should write froggy when according fantasy in North America, about which I know a lot. But there's one more feather. I know this is like a long, I've only given long answers. I'm sorry. I, I appreciate this. We're back to the <laughs> question. It's cool. Let's okay. keep going. <laughs> okay. Uh, it gives you more time to drink, right? So I, I, I appreciate so, yeah, uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. So, so here, here's the third PCR. So I, um, my oldest son, my oldest kid, it was a boy, and he, uh, in utero, he was pressed against the side of the womb, and his ear was folded forward. So when he was born, he had one normal-looking ear and one that was stuck, and it slowly folded forward. So even today, somewhat, if you look, you'll say, oh, he basically has one parallel ear and one kind of perpendicular ear. Right? And, my, and my second child, uh, daughter, when she was a, a, a baby, I mean, a couple weeks old, really small. I like that you did this gesture, which you have to watch the YouTube episode, as if that was that tiny. <laughs> I like that. This okay. big. Yeah. This big. This big. Four-inch baby. <laughs> <laughs> She, uh, my brother was visiting us and he was, he was like rocking her in her car seat in the front room or something and suddenly said, Hey, wait a minute. I think there's a problem. And we go running in and, and he says, look at her eyes and her eyes were dilated to different sizes, which can be a sign of concussion. Right. And so yeah. we're, we're like, oh, doctor, we go rushing in. Um, I forget what it's called. There's a condition. Uh, it's, it's permanent. It has no effect other than aesthetic. She just has uh, eyes that dilate at different rates. And uh, so I started calling her my witchy-eyed child from when she was like three weeks old, right? And then, and then my third child was born, and Emily and I both have sort of moderately curly hair. And my third child, my daughter, my second daughter, has a fro. Like her hair is, it's, it's from my wife's side of the family. And every generation, there's like one, and she has it. It's curled, and, it, and, and so... I, this is the other piece from heaven, right? I said, so the story, the witchy eye story is about these three siblings, um, each of whom is born. Now in the story, I would say deformed. I don't think of my children as deformed, but right. One of them has, one of them is born with an ear stuck the side of his head. Uh, and, and, and Sarah Calhoun, the witchy eye is like, until she's 14, her, she has an eye that has never opened. That's just like, you know, pustulant and, nasty and contributes to her real strong xenophobic and prickly personality you know um and the, then the third daughter's got this tangle of hair uh, and which is all tied up in their sort of inher magical inheritance from their father um and uh and so that was it like i when, when those three pieces were together I was, okay look that's that's more than enough i'm gonna write epic fantasy from this these three children who are all sort of strangely deformed like kind of in similar ways to my 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 children fry you in accord in north america and then from there it's mostly craft and kind of working out 
you know, where do I want to get to? How is this going to go? What else do I need? Okay. I love the fact that when any of your kids listen to the show, they're going to be like, Dad, why did you say I was deformed on the show? That's what, like, what the hell, like, dude? So. People are going to be listening to this forever, and all they think of is... You're deformed. Okay. <laughs> so what is the next work that is coming out that people can find? Oh, yeah. So the next... Um, I don't want to put my reading glasses on. So I, I don't know why you did either, but you look very educated. But, Go ahead. Oh, wait. I look more than educated. Look at... Uh, if you look at the side... I like the glitter. I was about to say, oh, I really like the... I'm digging the rhinestones. I'm dazzled. I, I bought these at Walmart, and they were closed in the box like this, and they looked very sober and like just, you know, plain black. And then I bought them, and all three pairs in the box are basically... I gotta say, when you closed it, I could see rhinestones. It's okay to make excuses. It's cool. No, I, I'm <laughs> down with it. I just, I now I have to do the fair branding with like, you know, the grandmas who like Pikachu or you know, kind of My Little Pony kind of theme club. You know, that's, absolutely. Yeah. That's okay. Again, we don't judge on this podcast. It's we don't fine. judge. I think it's awesome. That's the kind of podcast I need to be on. So. Uh, so uh, I've got a science fiction novel coming out from Bain. I, th I think May, but it's next summer. Um, this is not the first science fiction I've written, but it's the first sci-fi novel from Bain. It's called Abbott in Darkness. It, okay. is about, um, it is about an accountant, actually. Uh, yeah. Riveting. Riveting. Yeah. Just keep <laughs> I'm captivated already. <laughs> accounting? Yes. So uh, there, there is actual accounting. I did send the manuscript to a friend who was a CFO at a biopharmaceutical company and said, listen, I'm pretty sure the accounting is right, but can you tell me if I've done anything wrong here? He wrote back and said, you're good. The accounting all works. So, um, uh, yeah, it's about a, a guy. Uh, he's sort of, he's young. He's just, he's just out of school. He's got a bunch of debt. Uh, married, two young kids, and he takes what looks like a, a fabulous job opportunity, which is on a planet 40, 40 light years away from Earth at the end of a wormhole. And the planet is controlled by, this, by a company. The Saravar company controls the whole system. And people who go work for them get rich because they, which sounds great, right? Uh, because uh, they let their employees trade for their own account and so the employees get paid a salary, but they also make a lot of money buying local local product and selling it on Earth, right? So he's deep in debt. He's got this family he's got to worry about. He takes this great job and finds himself caught up in like gun running and corruption. And he, he can't go back to Earth. And so, you know, how can he survive, uh, stop the plot without corrupting himself? Um and, and really what it is, is it's a, uh, it's kind of a science fiction, not exactly a retelling, but it's modeled on some of the sort of, uh, the setup is modeled on the East India Company. Oh. Right? Where, where, yeah, Britain had basically said to this company, okay, you know, you can, you, you can, you can own an army. And in theory, there was oversight from London, but it was six months or a year away. So there's no, there's no way to actually oversee. So there's a company out there whose only motive is to get rich and there's nothing <laughs> from getting really uh, corrupted, right? And that's, so that's kind of the... That's I like it. Amazon in space. I enjoyed this. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So how do fans find you? So um, I have a website. You go there, you can kind of find all of my books and stuff. DavidJohnButler.com. Um, I've got a mailing list there. I'm not really in social media anymore. I was quite active, uh, but I have deleted my Facebook account and my Twitter account is frozen. So, uh, but I do my mailing list. I uh, you can join it on the website DavidJohnButler.com forward slash mailing list or something. That but the menu is there, right? <laughs> Um, I pretty consistently um, mail every Monday. As a quick follow-up thing, CR said, um, well, this is like a whole other conversation, but just really quickly, one of the things <laughs> that really ramped up during COVID as a way to reach readers, like we were talking about, is driving my mailing list. And one of the things I've done is I actually do book giveaways every single month, sometimes twice a month with other authors. So we'll do like a, you know, five winners, each will win a stack of five signed books. So I give away books all the time. No, uh, that's a good way to do it. 
That's awesome. People, people who enter at least you know they want to read the books. They might not want to pay money for them, but at least they want to read the book. <laughs> no, totally. And trust me, beta readers, giveaway, all that kind of stuff is really, <laughs> truly important. That is awesome. You are thoroughly fun to talk to. Oh, this is such a pleasure. Yes, we're going to have to do this again. I'll have to see about the co-host, though, and the fangirling. But other than don't do sassiness right now. Anyway. This will be great tomorrow, CR. You're going to be fine. Just make sure that for each of your books, you have like a very like <laughs> doughboy. You poke him in his belly and he goes, ah. right? Like you just want something where right? something in your belly and you just say it. Oh, it's I funny. don't like touching. No, I don't he's do not touching. joking. Touching. <laughs> I, I take things very literal. I'm not good, but I'm very literal. Literal. I don't do hypothetical things like okay you know what I think we've had enough rum and not coke on this podcast okay DJ oh my god I almost said butler I did say butler I said it right DJ it's fine it's enough drinking on the podcast he's sober it doesn't count yeah this has been um, drinking with authors guys I'm your host Erica Lance my co-host CR rights. Our amazing guest has been DJ Butler, and we will see you guys next time. <laughs>